from WOUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Taylor Burnett. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from Southeast Ohio. This week on The Outlet, Athens County lawmakers and residents are responding to a new law allowing concealed carry without a permit. For a legislature that talks about how um, you know, pro-police they are, to be able to do something like this uh, you know, amid the outcry from them, I think is unconscionable. And WUB reporter Andre Norrells is explaining the Route 33 safety corridor. If we can even save one life by a driver seeing those signs and thinking twice about what they're doing behind the wheel, then it's most definitely worth it. These stories and more right here on The Outlet. Last week, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine signed a controversial gun bill into law. Lexi Lepoff has the latest on how local residents and city officials are responding. It it frightens me, uh, to be quite honest. Jim Salzman, a board member of Hilltop Gun Club, is just one example of Second Amendment activists who think Ohio's new gun legislation goes too far. The fact that somebody can just go out and buy a gun and uh, they get to carry it around and nobody knows whether they have it or not, It it frightens me. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine signed the bill into a law last week that allows Ohioans to carry concealed guns without a permit, which eliminates mandatory training and background checks. Ohio is the 23rd state to allow permitless concealed carry. Salzman and Hilltop say they believe proper training in gun safety is essential. Uh, If you don't train the you have a greater, greater likelihood, I think, of of, um, finding yourself in a situation where you make a mistake and somebody gets hurt. Salzman said he went through many hours of training before he felt comfortable carrying and could not imagine having no training at all. I was not happy when the training went down from 12 hours to 8 hours. Um, uh, Again, (laughs) you know, you you spend more time uh, learning how to drive a car than, uh, than that. The new legislation also removes the requirement for citizens to inform police officers they are carrying unless specifically asked. Athens City Chief of Police Tom Pyle, who has been with the APD for 33 years, was amongst police officers who lobbied to maintain the duty to disclose. I'm disappointed because I think it has the potential to be an officer safety issue. Salzman also expressed his personal opinion on the matter. For a legislature that talks about how um, you know, pro-police they are, to be able to do something like this uh, you know, amid the outcry from them, I think is unconscionable. The new law is set to go into effect starting June 12th. For The Outlet, I'm Lexi Lepoff in Athens. Ohio University is investigating two incidents directed at black students. In the first incident, a racist note was attached to a large garbage bag and was left outside of a dorm room. The note was handwritten in black ink on lined notebook paper and has the words trash, two racial slurs directed at black people, and a vulgarity directed at women written on it. The note and bag were left outside a room in Sergeant Hall, two doors down from the dorm of Naomi Hamner, a 19-year-old freshman who was black. The second separate incident involved freshman Brady Linkle, who allegedly urinated on the door of Christopher Brown, a resident advisor in James Hall. Brown tweeted a photo of his floor near the doorway covered in urine-soaked paper towels. In his tweet, Brown said he is the only black resident advisor, or RA, on that floor of the residence hall. Linkle was charged with criminal mischief by the Ohio University Police Department and will appear in court on March 31st. The university says this incident was not racially motivated. 
The university's Office of Equity and Civil Rights Compliance is reviewing these incidents, Ohio University spokesperson Carly Leatherwood said. And along with the police investigation, there will be an internal investigation by the Office of Community Standards and Student Responsibility. Next week, we'll talk to WUB reporter Andre Norrells on the latest developments in this developing story. However, now Andre is here to tell you more about Route 33. You've probably seen a sign that says, Safety Corridor. This section of the highway is meant to make people think twice before driving while distracted. Andre tells us about these corridors and their effectiveness. Those put over in a safety corridor for violations like speeding could face higher penalties, says Ohio State Highway Patrol Sergeant Bryce Nyheiser. There's an additional $100 enhancement that can happen if you are distracted when that violation occurs. The Ohio Department of Transportation and Ohio Highway Patrol partnered together to help reduce distracted driving. ODOT Public Information Officer Ashley Rittenhouse says one of the reasons for these corridors is to help prevent crashes. If we can even save one life by a driver seeing those signs and thinking twice about what they're doing behind the wheel, then it's most definitely worth it. Since the safety corridor in Athens County on Route 33 was put in place, data shows that there have been changes, and Nyheiser agrees. We've actually seen an overall reduction in the total number of crashes as well as the number of injury and fatal crashes. The Athens corridor was established last September. During the final quarter of last year, crashes went down compared to the same time period of 2020. Nyheiser believes numbers can continue to go down if drivers drive attentively. Just make sure that you are paying attention to the road because ultimately that's what's going to prepare you for the unforeseen. For the outlet, I'm Andre Norrells in Athens County. I'm here with WUB Sports Director Brian Kerp to talk about men's basketball and softball this week. So, Brian, Ohio's season finally came to an end. Yeah, the Ohio men's basketball team played its final game on Monday night against Abilene Christian in the College Basketball Invitational. Uh, all those games are down in Daytona, Florida, so, you know, obviously we're here at the Convo. And uh, Ohio did beat Rice in the first round uh, on a buzzer beater by Mark Sears, but different result on Monday. They fell 91-86, to and their season ends with a 25-10 and record. Uh Mark Sears, like I mentioned in that Rice game, had a huge game against Abilene Christian, 37 points. Uh, BVP Ben Vanderplas, you know, we don't know what his future will hold. You know, there's a chance he comes back next year. There's a chance he doesn't come back. Uh, you know, one of the big fan favorites here at OU. Uh, he had 19 points, and then rounding out the players in double figures, A.J. Clayton, hey, he's a freshman. He's only 17 years old, so, you know, it's good to see, you know, even though Ohio season is over, future seems to be looking bright. A couple young players, you know, Sears will be back, Clayton will be back, and among others. Yeah, absolutely. So what's your overall assessment of this season? Yeah, so like I mentioned, 25-10 and 10 record. Uh, you know, we all remember what happened last year. MAC tournament champs uh, won the first round in the NCAA tournament. You know, didn't get that far this year. You know, they lost in the semis in the MAC tournament, and then, you know, Made a round in the CBI before falling there. But overall, I think it was a pretty good season. A lot of ups for Ohio. Uh, you know, they are definitely on the map now in college basketball, you know, as one of those big mid-major powers. Uh, but then you look at the MAC in general, there's three or four other teams that are just so good. So, you know, Jeff Bowles is a good coach. I'm highly confident that next year and beyond, uh, Ohio men's basketball will continue to be very relevant, not, here, not only here in Athens, but across the college basketball landscape. 
And so moving on to softball, I know there was a big game on Tuesday night, Ohio State. How did that go? Yeah, so obviously Ohio Bobcats are in the MAC. Not every day you get to bring in a Power 5 school, especially, you know, big sister of Ohio State. You get to bring them down to Ohio softball field. Uh, the Bobcats had a great opportunity to play a big school like that. Uh, result didn't go as most Bobcat fans would have wanted. They lost 6-1, to one, but... You know, following along with post-game content and just following along with the game, uh, seems like head coach Kenzie Rourke was really happy with uh, how the defense played. And obviously, when you play a big school like that, uh, you want to win, but sometimes you can get a lot of learning experiences playing big schools like that, and you could take that going into MAC play. And that's what Coach Rourke was pretty much saying. Defense played well. The offense kind of struggled. But again, you're facing a premier program in Ohio State. So, you know, those are things that they could definitely look forward to. You know, 7-15 and 15 on the season, but hey, Couple, uh, couple months left, I should say, with uh, Mac play. So definitely some things they could build on and finish the season strong. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what was student support like for this game? Yeah, so obviously uh, I believe it was the biggest crowd that's ever seen a softball game there. Over a thousand people were there. Wow. Um, yeah, just impressive. Uh, they had like t-shirt giveaways and just seeing like pictures on Twitter, seeing pictures on social media, you know, all over the place, Facebook, uh, seeing just a packed, uh, packed house there, uh, really good. And the coach even said afterwards that, hey, you know, a lot of my team, just a side note, a lot of the softball players are underclassmen. So given last year's with the pandemic, there weren't many uh, people that could show up. I think only parents were able to show up uh, and the media, of course. Um, but with that being, you know, a big crowd, that's the first time they've ever played in front of a big audience. And the coach also said, hey, that may have given him a little bit of jitters heading into the game. But, you know, obviously I would too if I was a freshman Playing in front of a thousand people where, you know, back in high school you're playing in front of maybe a hundred at most. But, you know, great seeing student uh, support. Uh, you know, we've seen that a lot for a bunch of different sports throughout uh, the year. And, you know, the marketing department over at OU Athletics is doing a good job with these promotions. But uh, as a media member, I'm really enjoying being there and seeing a bunch of uh, fan support. There are a few first-hand accounts of life inside nursing homes. Whether you have worked in one, are planning care for your loved ones in one, or even considering going into one yourself, Dr. Carolyn Bailey Lewis's new book has an important perspective for you. WUB reporter Fallon Howard went to the Athens County Library to find out more. Dr. Carolyn Bailey Lewis has been in and out of nursing homes over the past 26 years. In her first book, Love and Loss, The Storied Nature of Nursing Home Care, Lewis details her experience living in nursing homes and the stories of her fellow in residents. Seeing so many people, as I said, who were not themselves with dementia, Alzheimer's, babbling and unable to speak or move, not knowing where they were. So my first plan again was to tell those stories. According to the Ohio Health Care Association, there are 978 skilled nursing facilities and 774 assisted living facilities in the state of Ohio. Skilled nursing facilities are the second largest health care employer in the nation. Lewis has lived in six nursing homes over the past two decades and says there are three key factors that involve choosing a nursing home that is right for you. It should consider, first of all, the cleanliness of it. And the second thing, are the people friendly? And the third thing, is it really a place that feels good to me? From her experience, she also says you don't always have to choose quickly, but rather choose wisely. From my own experience, don't make a hasty decision about going to the first place you see. 
However, you might want to have a place that's close to family. The Athens Public Library hosts a range of events for people in the Athens community. We do historical programs. Um, we do literary programs. We do culinary programs. We have programs that raise social consciousness. Um, we try to have a little bit of everything, things that entertain, things that educate, things that uplift. Todd Bastine, exhibits coordinator, says being present is a key part of being an advocate for a loved one. How well it works when people come together to help each other. Just a little bit of compassion for one another makes a massive difference. I'm Fallon Howard. And for this Severe Weather Awareness Week, I'm joined by lead forecaster Aaron Ashley and forecaster Henry Groff to talk about the myths and facts about tornadoes. Yeah, so we're going to, uh, we have a few facts and myths with us and we're going to be quizzing you on them. Oh boy. Do I get graded? <laughs> yes, you will be graded. <laughs> oh, oh no. <laughs> Pay attention. Don't get it wrong. <laughs> all right, all right. So the first um, one we want to share is that the largest tornado recorded was 2.6 miles wide. Myth or fact? This sounds like a myth. It is, in Ooh. fact, a fact. The largest recorded tornado was the El Reno tornado that happened in Oklahoma in 2013. So far, that is the largest confirmed tornado that has occurred. Wow, that's terrifying. Thank you for that terrifying fun fact. <laughs> All right, Taylor, you're zero for one. Zero for one. Right. My grade's not looking good. <laughs> Let's try again. Number two. Okay. Myth or fact, tornadoes can form anywhere in the United States. Fact. Ah, good. Finally, there we go. Uh, yeah, that's a fact. In order for tornadoes to form, all that's required is sheer moisture, lift, and instability. So nowhere is safe. Yeah, nowhere is no. safe. <laughs> so we follow up with that. <laughs> tornadoes cannot hit cities. Myth or fact. I feel like they'd get caught on buildings or something, but I'm going to guess fact? No, it's Ooh, a myth. No. Again, with the last one, tornadoes can occur anywhere. Nowhere is safe, in including uh, cities. But, of course, uh, cities have uh, building coats to help uh, keep them in uh, shape in case a tornado does occur. Absolutely. All right. So, all right, let's see if you can rebound. Rebound time. You got this. <laughs> Um, number four, myth or fact, the average number of tornadoes per year is 1,242. This is a really tough one. Let's go with fact. No, oh, very good. It's a little too specific to not be a fact, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, that's fact. Tornadoes are most common, however, in April, May, and June, in the Midwest at least, but they can happen in any month out of the year. Like, I know this past year we had some that occurred in December, which is pretty crazy. Yep, and uh, not all tornadoes are um, actually rated because, uh, again, central plains, there's not a lot of stuff out there. So if it, a tornado just forms through the field, usually there's not enough uh, damage to estimate what the rating is. So usually when that happens, it gets a EFU rating, which the U stands for unknown. Ooh. Scary again. Yeah, no, the unknown. <laughs> the unknown, the mystery. <laughs> and then the last uh, question is, you can outrun a tornado in your car. Myth or fact, Taylor, can you do it? That's got to be a myth. 
Yep. Correct. That is a myth. Usually uh, storms can go up to 60 to 70 miles per hour. Wow. And with that, uh, you can definitely not outrun a tornado in your car. Very true. Especially on the highway. Yeah. Hey, it's important to know the questions about safety. Oh, absolutely. In fact, the last place you should be in your is during your- a tornado is in your car because it acts like a torpedo. Like with tornadoes, wind speeds can get up to 200 miles per hour at some points. And so that will quite literally send you through a building if you're in a car. So that is the last place you should be if you hear of a tornado warning. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, and that is all the um, facts and myths we have for you. Uh, Thank you for having us. Yeah, you did pretty good, Taylor. Good job. Thanks. Was it two or three out of five? I think it was two out of five. Two out of five? Two out of five. 40%. It's a learning curve. It's all about learning. Exactly, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you guys for joining me today. That's all we have for you this week. Thanks for joining us. The Outlet is produced each week by me, Taylor Burnett. We're edited by Atish Baidia, Aaron Payne, and David Forster. Adam Rich is our technical assistant, and our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. Subscribe to The Outlet on SoundCloud or Spotify, as well as Apple Podcasts. You can find us online at wub.org. We'll be back next week with more stories from Southeast Ohio. 